0: Montreal, so it's a, it's a de pour un.
1: yeah. Oh, double dipping! I like it. Double yeah, dipping. I like the fact that you both have the same background. It's like you're in the. <clears throat> it's it's like the Matrix or something. It's it, it's
0: that's yeah. Right. We
2: have the same haircut and the same background. <laughs> we do.
0: <laughs> you know there's a there's a picture of me and I'll send it over to you later, Jeremy, of me and Wolf backstage at the Metropolis in Montreal, sitting side by side, smiling for the camera. And the number of people that have asked me if those are wax figures, <laughs> 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 because, because we look, we look, because we're not moving. And anyway, so I'll send you that picture later. Wolf, we, we don't have a Madame Tussauds
1: in Montreal, no,
0: no. But uh, anyway, welcome to a to a Rock Talk with Ms. Lafon and the Jeremy White Show. Um, we are here to talk "Too Mean to Die." Wolf. Uh, I'm gonna start off with this. What exactly is an accept album? What what sound makes it an accept album? Because here you've got a whole new crew. You've got you you've got new members recording. Um, what makes this accept in terms of sound?
2: You tell me. I, I think it sounds like accept. That's what everybody seems to think. And uh, I've been often wondering about that because I mean, really, in all these years and decades by now we've changed about just about everything um uh, instruments and sounds and equipment and even producers and even like lead singers and it still sounds like Accept. so i guess it's the way we write the songs and yeah. the tradition sort of gets
1: carried forward um so yeah
0: or, I mean, or maybe it comes down to your guitar playing
1: yeah i mean you know at the end of the day i think you are the sound of Accept. as soon as you hit that first note you know you listen to mean to die and it's that guitar tone. It just sounds like accept right off the bat. So I think it's safe to say that you are the sound of accept in a way.
2: Yeah, but you can't say that. I can't say that about myself. That song, <laughs> how does that sound? You know,
0: <laughs> of course you can. Uh, well, thank you. you. Uh, Jeremy, I know you love talking guitars. Uh, go go ahead and ask about about the guitars because he's he's our geek, our our, our resident geek on on guitars. All right, let's
2: geek out. Let's geek out. Yeah,
0: you know, well, that's what I was saying. You know, as soon as you hear that first note on to Mean
1: to Die," it's like you know you got that instantly recognizable, you know, really crunchy, distorted, you know, scoop the mids a little, kind of accept tone. You know, like I said, that's kind of like the sound of accept, and it's kind of what we come to know. You know, one of the first records when I was getting into radio was, uh, you know, I I was playing like Blood of the Nations and like Teutonic Terror on the radio, and like, yeah, and like, and I love those sounds. And I sort of went from that record, I went backwards and sort of listened to discography from there. And now Mm -hmm. listen to this new stuff. It still sounds fresh as anything that you guys that you've done, because like I said, I think it just sounds like accept. So when you go to. When you when you play that guitar, you know, that guitar tone, is, is there an, in your mind, do you go in with it thinking, I can't sound like any other guitar player. I have to have my identifiable tone. Mm,
2: I think it sort of happens automatically, the way that I play, the way that I like to adjust things. You know, if it doesn't sound, I'll fiddle, fiddle with it until it sounds right to me. But it's not really something that you can write down or analyze or or really um mm, yeah it's 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 a gut feeling kind of thing you know I know when it sounds right, but I don't really uh make a conscious effort of it and it's not nothing that i that I plan it just sort of happens that's the way I like things and that's that's how I do it you know right. it's it's gets my my style in a way.
1: Are are you of like the school of thinking that, you know, tone doesn't come from the amp or the instrument it comes from the player?
2: Unfortunately, that's damn true. I mean, if you gave my guitar to somebody else, it it's would sound different. And 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 vice versa. If I take somebody else's guitar, it still would sound a lot like me. And it's not so much even the only the hands, it's also what you play. That's a lot of You know, a lot of times people ask me, how do you get that tone of balls to the wall, that riff? Yeah. Well, a lot of it is that damn riff. I mean, you can play that on a lot of different instruments with a lot of different sounds, and it's still, it's got a certain, if you play it the way I played with the open strings and this and that, it's going to sound a certain way every time. So it's, it's a lot of times it's the riff itself that has a
1: sound. So how do you write a riff then? You're just sitting around, just noodling on the guitar, like, you know, too mean to die. Like, how'd you come up with that?
2: Um, I had the title first, and I wrote the song, and I had a bunch of riffs. I mean, riffs, I have, I could kill you with riffs. I've got riffs all day long. I've got a million riffs somewhere, and I. I it's never been an, a problem for me. I mean, I I just sit down and noodle something, and there's a riff. Boom. And next, 30 minutes later, there's another riff, and there's another riff, and I've got riffs until the cows got home, but come home it's just always the difficult part is then what do you do with that riff and where does it go from there and wh- how do you sing on it and where's the drum beat and where's yeah, where's the well where's the arrangement and where's the song you know riff is just a riff it's just a stepping stone and it's fun to do i mean riffs i, I can like i said riffs i have riffs
1: yeah and a lot of songwriters have actually said that you know we mentioned i've we been talking to a lot of yep. songwriters if desmond child you know, he he said to us that 99% of the big hits that he's written with Bon Jovi and Kiss and all these artists, he was saying that he a lot of the time it starts with a title. You know, you get a title, yes. you know, you give love a bad name, and then you come up with a melody. How can I sing this awesome sounding title? So right. it's interesting that you said that, you know, you had the title for this song first. So is does that happen a lot for you in your songwriting process?
2: It happens more and more. And it's always easier for me because like like you just said, a title or the words they want to be sung in a certain rhythm. Um and that kind of dictates a little bit of how you how you how you go about it. And I actually like having uh on this album there's a song The Undertaker, yeah. where the writ that, that was written musically after the lyrics were done. Wow. Could just give, yeah, that's one of the rare occasions. And I wish I would have the luxury more often, where you have a complete set of lyrics, because when Mm. you read the lyrics, they kind of bounce in a certain way, and that kind of dictates, that inspires you to a certain tempo, Mm. and also the lyrically from the content, it kind of inspires you musically, you know, in this case, was The Undertaker, so it can't be a happy, cheery
1: song, it needs to be somewhat spooky... I thought it was about The Wrestler at first, and
0: then I listened. I was like, okay, no, no not about The Wrestler. It's not about, it's not about The Wrestler. Uh, Wolf, let me ask you about promoting an album in this context, because normally, you know, the album comes out. And now it's uh, January 29th, not the 15th, and you, you go on tour and you do, you do the interviews. That's going to be disturbed or disrupted this time around because you're not going to be able to go out on tour right away. So, do you have to come up with a whole new way to promote the album, or do you just sort of throw it out there and hope people find it? How do you make people aware of this if you can't go and play in Paris and and Germany and, you know, New York City?
2: Yeah, we just throw it out there and hope that it sticks, you know, (laughs) sticks to the wall. (laughs) That's
0: the way to do it, right? That's
2: what we do. Exactly. Yeah, that's how you do it. No, I mean,. First of all, you do all these interviews, you know, know, you've got all these new outlets now, I mean, websites, and I've done I mean, I don't know how many interviews now, but it's got to be, it's way over a hundred now, just to give you an example. So there's so many more people that can that even talk about this podcast and and social media. There's a whole variety of things uh, we do nowadays, but you're right, the main thing was always the tour, which is always questionable. Do you make the album to promote the tour or do you do the tour to promote the album? So in the best case scenario, each each promotes the other. And now that we don't have that, so I don't, I don't really have an answer for it. It's the first time ever that we have an album out and no tour. Um, so, and time will tell what this does, whether the album sales are just going to tank now, whether they go through the roof because people have nothing else to do but listen to this album. Because they all sit at home and they're desperate for a new <laughs> Accept album? I don't know. Time will That's tell.
1: It. <laughs> it's like hit or miss, right? You just can't really guess at this point. And you can't really win. And then the other
2: thing, what's the option? You, you, you wait until you can tour again, but when is that gonna be? We don't really know when that is, and we could basically just sit on this album for another year. And is that really better than releasing it now? Not really. I mean. Nobody knows. I think it's better to have it out now so people can enjoy it and at least they can be in quarantine and do some headbanging.
0: You see, I I think the answer lies somewhere in between for fans like myself to have a new Accept, a new Michael Schenker, a new Thunder. I'm thrilled. I mean, I'm thrilled. I I get to sit at home and listen to all this great new music. But for the bands, you've heard the music before, so you're not hearing anything new and you, you don't get to be on stage. So... We kind of win, and you kind of, well, you know, you get to make another new album. That's yeah, do, do another one. Yeah, but get back to work. Really, I
2: mean, is, is it is it going to be really so bad if we go out and say a year from now? Because right now our headline tour for this album is is scheduled for January twenty two, which wow. is a whole another year from now. Yeah, I know it's crazy, but it's still going to be the first time that we play these songs live, so it's still going to be exciting, and I think still a reason to go out and see the show. I mean, it's just. Gonna be delayed. I mean, yeah, it just never happened that way. It's just odd.
0: It's odd. But, yeah, and as a fan, listen by, by January of 2022, I am gonna be thrilled to see you yeah. in Montreal, or, or, quite frankly, I'm gonna be thrilled to see anything in Montreal. I'll go, I'll go see a juggler at this point. You know, quite frankly, <laughs> go see a mime. Yeah, I'll go see a <laughs> well, mime.
1: <that's> your... <laughs> um, well, I wanted to ask you. There was a, there was a headline recently where you did an interview and you sort of claimed that Accept was the first metal band to come out of Germany. And it kind of as, it kind of upset a lot of fans of the Scorpions in the sense that, you know, they were like, the Scorpions, they were the first German metal band. What are you talking about? Now, Mitch, I know you're a huge Scorpions fan. Correct. And I don't necessarily consider them a metal band. When I think of acceptance, they're not. I think metal.
0: Scorpions, they're not a metal band. They're a rock band. Yeah, and d- before I- Wolf answers, listen, Scorpions in the 70s were – Almost a psychedelic rock band. If you listen to "Fly, uh, Fly to the Rainbow" and all that, yeah. and that, and then they got into more of a Jimi Hendrixy kind of thing. They're they're not a metal band, and I love them. Listen, uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. But they're not a heavy metal band, except is no. a heavy metal band.
2: I would say we, we we were always heavier than 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 the Scorpions. Yes. So yeah. um, I mean, the Scorpions were huge and successful, but. You know, we I, I didn't say we're the biggest banter, I just said we're the first heavier band to come out. And just around the time that heavy metal was really born and the, the term came into existence, I would say we were right there. With, I mean, there was the new wave of British metal, all those bands, and then there was Except in Germany, around the same time, releasing Breaker and Wrestles and Wild. And that was right in the middle when it all started. And the Scorpions were over in America doing their radio the rock whatever yes. mega right. shows yeah. all good but uh, they weren't really a, they weren't really part of that scene
0: and i'll tell you where i noticed born. it you know growing up in the 70s for myself i was listening to aerosmith and cheap trick and kiss and then mm-hmm. kiss comes with a little band called accept to the montreal forum i guess in 84?
2: 84 84 84 swear to right. god i remember it It was 10 nine years
0: b- before i was born 10 years before you nice. were born but i was there and this band wow, that's comes out scary I, right
2: there,
0: right? And listen, <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. But th- there was no, there was not a lot of MTV and stuff going on. Yes, there were video channels, but Canada was a little bit behind. And this band comes out, and they just pounded me for while, I guess forty-five minutes. And I went, "Oh, this is not Kiss. This is not Aerosmith. This is something, you know, restless and wild. This this is a whole different thing." Um, by the way, any memories of that Kiss tour? Was it just the the Canadian Absolutely. dates? Yeah, let's hear some of those memories.
2: I definitely remember it because it was a huge um, step in our career because it was the first time we ever came outside of Germany. We ever went overseas to America, and we'd never seen anything on that scale. Uh, Up until then, we'd done European shows. We supported, I believe, Iron Maiden here and there. We'd seen some bigger shows, and we played some bigger shows, but not on the scale of like that. You know, we're talking arenas every night. These ice hockey rink arena things with forklifts and big productions and multiple tractor trailers and like. like it was the first proper the- major tour that you did.
0: Uh, it, exactly. was uh, it was amazing. It was amazing.
2: Yeah, and uh, the professionalism and the scale of everything, and even the way that they the Kiss treated us was really nice. I mean. But I also remember we had to fight like hell for the audience. Uh, it was tough to win these guys over. I mean, the Kiss fans yes. were Kiss fans. They weren't. But they weren't there to see anybody else. They wh- were really like, "Huh?"
0: Listen, Kondinsky, Huh? Uh, you know, listen, so, so that, like, that that was me. I listen. I agree. But it was also just it was because really, musically it was fighting. Yeah, and but musically you were turned up to twelve. Kiss wasn't at twelve. Kiss is a rock band. You weren't, and it was just like, oh, 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 oh. And that guitar playing, and, and of course Udo, and it was just like, whoa, okay, this this is something to behold. And then, of course, I saw the videos on Much Music, and I was like, okay, I like this, I'm in. But you're right, I wasn't there for you, I, I, I admit it, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, I remember we never had to fight quite so hard, uh, but we usually we judged the night but well did we get them or didn't we towards the end was everybody into it Were their arms up? Were they're like singing along Were they doing the thing or were they not and usually they were but it would it it would take you a few i mean i remember going out there first few songs a couple of three songs it was like people still coming in drinking their soda sitting down and you know it was like that
0: <laughs> well hey listen at you least because right.
1: i wasn't there right for that for that kind of scene and i grew up in a world where like everybody just if you're going to a concert you probably like the three bands that are on the bill whereas back in the day i hear all these stories about like you know fandoms having this competition of like oh you can't pay attention to the opening band cuz you you're there for the for the headliner and that's it oh, and you got yeah. them and only mm-hmm. and it's so weird to like even picture that now you know uh, and yeah. no, no. listen, it, it, There was also a time it
2: was different times in the r- regard that there was usually a main act and then a sort of unknown opening act. And that was fine. And that gave the opening act a huge chance, because if you would make it on that tour, you would, you know, gain a new fan community, blah, blah, blah. Nowadays, it's always these packages where even the opener is like, uh, you know, successful bands right. and co-headlining, no big act takes a chance on a little, uh, little band anymore nowadays. But back in the 80s, that was common. That was great.
1: And mm-hmm. I really think that that was the social media of the day because you didn't have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram nope. for anybody mm-hmm. to discover you. If the magazines were writing about you or if Kiss or Van Halen wasn't taking you out on the road and exposed you to their fan
0: bases, you know... Yeah, you're if, right. If, if yeah. except Listen, if Except hadn't played that Kiss show... I would not have known, uh, except for another maybe three, four, five, six years, as much music was starting to. De- I might not have known who they were, but that that yeah. was that was the Twitter uh, of except. Sorry, I,
2: I messed up your life that way. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you you did good, and then we we got put into the, into the wax museum. It was it was wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let me ask you just real quick about about Mark, because. Uh, the fan base loves Udo, and they loved Udo for a long time. And then Blood and Nations drops, and Mark sings, and you hear Teutonic Taric and, and uh, it's a pandemic. <laughs> nice that you wrote a song about it. it and it you just go, yeah. and you just go, oh, 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 okay. Now they're serious. This, because I love Mark. I think he's the best thing you've ever had, and I don't mean to insult anybody. I just love his vocals, and I think it's just perfect for the music and perfect for the songs. Yeah, um, as do I. Yeah. Was there any any trepidation in, in changing and, and getting in, and having a new voice? Because n- not a lot of bands are successful. I want to hear the original. Oh, yeah. um, what, what has he brought to you and, and what has he meant to your career? Because I, I I love him. I think he's fantastic.
2: Well, he was a game changer in the fact that he enabled us to have accept at all. You know, without him, there wouldn't be any except now because Udo always said I'm not going to work with you guys. Not interested. Thank you very much. I got my own band and fuck you. Well, I don't yeah, want to say that because but, it gets, gets taken but, out of content.
0: But, but, I can know. read
2: it on Blabbermouse again. All right. Never mind. I didn't say that. But you know what I mean? It yeah. was like basically not interested. So we said, so what do we have to lose? Let's take a chance on this guy, because he to us, he, Mark sounded like amazing and perfect. Right out of the gate, when we first met him, the first 10 minutes, we knew this this could be our guy. And we took a chance and said, why wouldn't it work? I mean, basically said, if this doesn't work, it's never going to work with a different singer. And then we surely give it up. But it sounded too good to be true, because it felt so right, if you know what I mean. So we said, yes, it's going to be an uphill battle. And yes, fans are not going to want him. But we'll take a chance and we'll see if we can't make make it happen if we just write good songs it should be possible so and five years later five albums later here we are with a fifth album in a row and it's very consistent and very i think this is the most successful period in our lives i'd say because it's really solid and the albums all feel good and including this brand new one so yeah i'm feeling as good as ever
0: yeah, and you know, uh, Jeremy, you're a big Van Halen fan. We always talk about the David Lee Roth era and the Sammy Hagar. To me, this is the same thing going on here, because if you just went out on tour and did nothing but Blood of Nations up until Too Mean to Die, only those songs, oh, I'd, still... be, I'd be happy.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> like, like I said, you know, when I was, you know, 15, getting into radio, I was doing my rock show, and, you know, that record came out and listen to a song like Teutonic Terror and like you know Blood of the Nations you know those huge riffs and the vocals like that was my accept i you know, and then i went backwards so it's kind of like the Dave and Sammy situation right you got your dave fans the hardcore from day 1 then you got the people yeah. that came later on so mark to me you, that's my accept you know and so i so when i heard these two first singles i was like this is awesome cuz this is what i know and like
2: yeah and and, and i mean the day might come that when we only play new songs. I don't know, we haven't quite done that yet, but, you know, I don't know, there might be a day when we play, when we don't play Princess of the Dawn and Fast as a Shark and Balls, I don't know, but so far we always have, because, I mean, there's still enough old fans in the audience that want to hear those classic songs, so I don't yeah. know, but it's definitely a luxury problem if we have good new albums, and I think that what's... Is what fans um, appreciate. I mean, because we are really putting in the effort. We're really trying to write albums that are relevant and as good as the stuff we've done back then. Um, And why shouldn't we, quite frankly? Why should we just do something half-assed and say to ourselves, well, nobody's going to care. Anyhow, people just want to hear the old stuff. No, I think if you write some good new stuff, people want to hear it.
0: Yeah and, yeah, and that's what I like because a lot of bands who have changed singers, they'll go back and they'll do a re-recording of, and they'll do these albums, yeah. and you haven't done that. And it's like, yeah, no, they're they're proud of what they're doing now, and they're moving forward. In terms of writing new music, though, do you listen to what's going around in terms of what's happening in the clubs and what's happening somewhere else, or do you just write accept music, and that's it, we don't care?
2: I don't have a clue. I, I don't have a clue about what's going on out there in the in the real world. Honestly, I don't. I don't have any CDs. I don't listen to anything. I don't know who people are. I mean, it's it's kind of funny. Honestly, I mean, it's it's bizarre. And, and they almost make fun of me always because I don't have I don't have a clue about anything. I mean, they're always chit chatting about these art, artists and that artist and that. And what do you think of that record? And they listen to all this stuff. And that the band and other people, friends, they all talk amongst themselves when I I'm I'm like the, the the strange guy that sits on the on the side because I don't know what they're talking about. I never <laughs> listen to anything, honestly. I mean very I mean I know my basic stuff of course, I know some some things, but I don't know much, honestly, and I don't try to. I I don't have any interest. I'm I'm writing accept stuff and I live in my own
0: cave. <laughs> yeah, and you got your creative cave because you're also doing the, the photos and uh, the, the woodworking, I believe, right? Uh,
2: Well, carpentry, yeah, I'm yeah. not the woodworker. A woodworker almost sounds like a guy who's got a, you know, I don't know, builds furniture, <laughs> furniture and rocking chairs. I'm not doing that, but I always, I, I do stuff around the house. I do carpentry. I I like working with my hands, fixing things. Yeah,
0: so, I do. So it is important for you to stay creative then because, you know, a lot of bands... And we we know who to, who to, we can name. They've stopped making new music. They go do the greatest hits tours and they play the fifteen songs that everybody's known for forty years. Um, talk to me a little bit about staying creative and why it's important to always have fresh product like *To Mean to Die* and not go do the balls to the wall album tour and not go do you know the greatest hits tour. Uh, in the
2: 30th anniversary and the 25th anniversary of it. I mean, we always ask, people always ask that every year, are you going to do a 25 release of this 30? I mean, we could do an anniversary thing every year, every year because something came out always yeah. a, mm-hmm. a certain amount of years ago. So, but we always try to stay away from it because it kind of, I think it, it puts that stamp of nostalgia on you that you're sort of just living of the old days. Right. And I think, I'm not ready for that. I mean I still got enough stuff in me and ideas. Like I said earlier, I think when we set out to do this thing with with Mark, we said we're going to do it properly. We're going to make new albums. And why shouldn't we? Because we did it back then. And why shouldn't we do it now? I mean, there's no reason why we can't. You just got to try hard and and be aware that it's going to take time and effort. You can't half acid, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's no reason to be a nostalgia act when you're creating such fresh-sounding, modern-day music that still has a classic edge to it. So you, you when you're a band, like, and you, when you have the songs that you do, like, on this record, you know, it's like, you don't need to depend on the gold. No. You can depend on the new stuff, and people will show up.
0: Well, I'll tell you this real quick before he answers. When you think nostalgia act or heritage act I think back to Aerosmith. I think back to Cheap Trick. That's on your shirt and stuff. But I don't think that of Accept. That doesn't come to my mind my because shirt? I, no, my no, 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 his. Oh, oh. It, it doesn't come to my mind right. because I don't see Accept as a nostalgia act because they haven't been. You know, you look at Stalingrad, Blood of Nations, uh, Too Mean to Die. They're just they're moving forward. They are a band that constantly moves forward. And and Mark, uh, not Mark. um... Wolf, the credit goes to you because other bands just they lay dining down. They say, just give me your money and I'll play your your 10 songs, you know, and you guys don't do that. So kudos for for staying relevant, well, and staying you. fresh.
2: Yeah, well, thank you. And I'm also doing it because it's, I think it's more fun, to be honest. I'm not doing it for a higher purpose or anything because I'm better than everybody. I mean, everybody needs to de- decide what, what they do in their life and how to do their career. But to me, it's almost more fun to do what we're doing. Um you know, I don't know. And I'm I'm not afraid of a lot of things. It's just mediocrity that kind of scares me to death. And if I have the feeling that's something that's not quite right and we're just doing it to get by or I don't know, it scares me to death more than anything. You know, honestly.
0: Well, I, I see that as be... uh, courageous because it, it's so easy to go back and do, like you said, a, a 20th anniversary. Just oh, screw it. It's still 20th anniversary. Like you're not calling it in. You're doing the work. Yeah. And I respect people who do to. the work. Yeah, you, you are. Uh, Mark. Speaking of calling
1: it in. Yeah, we, we got to go. we got to tune out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Me great. too, actually. Thank Good you. Uh, thank you, Wolf. Well, always a pleasure. And as we say in Montreal, merci. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Wolf. It was great to meet you. We'll do this again soon. Cheers. Absolutely. Let's do it. Stay middle. Rock on. <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.